good morning. How's everybody doing today? Doing good? All right. Well, we're excited to have you here. Like Cameron said, we are going to do a little jump off the message of last week. We had the Super Bowl, uh, the men of the Super Bowl telling you about their faith, their families. Um, This message is really just in a way for you to kind of jump off that football theme and it's called armchair quarterbacks. And that might be kind of like, what in the world are you going to possibly say about this? But hopefully you'll get something from it. Um, how many of you guys were big Super Bowl fans last week, rooting for your team? Very few people. I've heard that before. Very few people were really excited about the Falcons and the Patriots. But um, if your team wasn't there, you probably still watched it, right? Still watched it. Still took part in it because, you know what, we still enjoy the fact that there's a lot of hype. There's a lot of people like that just really watch it for the commercials. Maybe just watch it and go to watch it with somebody because you get good food. You know, that's what you do. Um, I have to say it was probably the healthiest uh, Super Bowl me and John have ever uh, had. It was really, really um, kind of sad because we had turkey and vegetables and popcorn, and that was our snack. So it was really lame, um, but it probably makes up for all those years that I would throw Super Bowl parties, and it was like really bad food. So um, if you watch the game at all, you had an opportunity to really see a team that looked like for sure they were going to lose. No doubt about it. You thought the Patriots are going to lose. They could possibly not come back from this. There's no way. I mean, they're at the top of the third quarter, and they were down 3 to 28 Falcons. Look for sure like it's a sure loss. And at that moment, all over America, the world, they were watching this game, and they're thinking, man, you know what? This is what the Patriots need to do if they want to win. You have these armchair quarterbacks start telling everybody around them what it is that the Patriots needed to do to win and really how them Falcons, they just need to keep doing what they're doing, you know. And these people were telling these people around them, and most of the people really didn't really care what their opinion is. You know, they always sit there and say the fact that, you know, it's like what they need to do if they really want to win, as if you'd ever get to the Super Bowl. And not want to win. Like, you're just going to go to the Super Bowl, and you're going to play your hearts out the whole time until you get there. Then all of a sudden, you're going to be like, yeah, I'm not into it today. Don't think so. But, you know, we have those good old armchair quarterbacks in our life. We run into them all the time. It's not just in sports. You see them in a lot of places in your life. And if you're really not familiar with the, the, the term armchair quarterback, what it is, it actually means somebody who doesn't really participate in an action, but still makes judgments about it. Now, if you think about that definition, you can see that those armchair quarterbacks probably are talking into your life and speaking into your life in a lot of ways, but you're like, uh, yeah, you really don't even know what I'm talking about. You have no involvement in what I'm doing. So to understand what an armchair quarterback is, though, you really kind of have to understand what a quarterback does. Now, I grew up, I'll be honest with you, with a lot of football, a lot of baseball, a lot of basketball, a lot of sports. But I also can tell you that most of the time it was in the background playing. I had a dad and a brother. That's all they lived for. And I can tell you I rebelled against it. I was like, I really don't want to watch it. So I was over there usually doing artistic stuff, drawing, and just had that background music playing, you know. I still, to this day, is nothing better to take a nap than a, a sports game on TV. It was just like the best thing to take a nap to. But to understand what an armchair quarterback is, you have to understand what a quarterback does. And basically, what they do is they're the ones almost like touching and charging the ball almost every offensive play that there is. They're the ones that are going to decide who it is that they're going to throw the ball to, who they're going to pass the ball to, what plays they're going to call out. And they're the ones that are in the game. They're risking getting sacked 
they're risking everything because they're there to decide and help their team win the game. So obviously the fact you can see that a quarterback is, is really involved. They're in the thick of things. That's what makes an armchair quarterback kind of like offensive to us because we're like, wait, you're not even involved in this. You're not involved in this part of my life. You're not involved in this part of my, my faith. You're not in this part of my, maybe my finances or all these things. And you keep giving me this advice and I really don't see that you're really that involved. So I don't really understand why I should really listen to you. But those quarterbacks are at risk of getting sacked. They're the ones who are at risk of throwing out you know, a bad pass and someone missing it. They're the ones who make the play and if it's wrong and it doesn't work, the team loses. And they have to give an account. They have to give an account if their team wins or loses. And that's exactly, like I said, why we find armchair quarterbacks so annoying to us. It's because like, you really have no skin in the game in this. And you're not even in the game. So why do you have this opinion that you want to share with me? But that doesn't stop an armchair quarterback. They have an opinion, and you're, by golly, you're going to hear it. You're going to hear their opinion, what it is you should be doing, what it is you shouldn't be doing, what the team should be doing now, what the team shouldn't be doing now. Armchair quarterbacks, like I said, are everywhere. They are in your finances. They are out in your world that you live in daily. They're in the financial game, usually telling you how that you should spend your money. They're in the political game. We all know that. We all know there's armchair quarterbacks there. They're in the parenting game. If you're a parent, it doesn't take long before you hear other people's opinions. They're in the marriage game. And yes, most of all, what I want to talk to you about today is the fact that they are also in the faith game. They're in your spiritual game, your life game, what it is that's important to you. If, you're, if faith is important, they're there. And they're throwing out advice and opinions many times, and you have to really be wary. I can tell you that if you haven't run into an armchair quarterback yet, you are amazing because you're going to. And if you're new in your faith, at first you think, wow, everybody's just on my side. Everybody wants me to win. And then you start to look around and you think, geez, maybe they weren't. Maybe some of these people really aren't on my side. Maybe some of these people really don't want me to win at this game of faith. I've definitely run into them, and one of the things I've noticed is that they are definitely both inside and outside of the church. I think what happens outside is a lot of times they're telling you what you should be doing, and inside of the church a lot of times they're telling you what you shouldn't be doing. And they always have their opinion. And I think that for most of us, I mean, is it just me? Are you annoyed with armchair quarterbacks? Yeah, I think most of us could say that we are. And I don't think that's really pride talking. I think what it is a lot of times is the fact that you really just look at them and say, really, who are you? And why are you telling me this? And it's hard not to get a little bit of offendedness at them, the fact that they're throwing out their opinions. And I would say that I'm not really overly sensitive. I think what it is is I just want to follow people and listen to people who really have some skin in the game, who are really involved. You know, those people that actually... um, are winning. Those people that aren't just losing left and right over and over again. You know, those people that actually have wins of their, their belt. They're not like zero to ten. You know, zero wins, ten losses. But yet they're still telling you how to play the game. But I think that's really just best practices, don't you think? The idea that you should actually go to people who have proven that they've won before. 
those people who've been successful in certain things, those people that have been successful in their finances and, and maybe in their, you know, their marriage and their kids' lives and, and their faith. Those are the things that we actually should do. We should go to those people. We should see those people who have wins. And those are the people we should get advice from. In money, I mean, I'm sure you're not just like me. I mean, you have to be just like me. The fact that somebody has told you before how it is that you should spend your money, you'll listen to them if they, they're winning. But you're not going to listen to someone's advice if they're in debt up to their eyeballs. You're going to be like, wait, you're telling me how to spend my money, but yet you are broke. You have nothing. Why should I listen to you? You know, this whole idea is we have to think about the fact that we want to go to something, it's what's called as best practices. You want to go to somebody who knows what they're talking about. In marriage, you're not going to want to listen to someone give you advice about your marriage if they themselves have been divorced three times and have failed relationships over and over and over again. You're not going to want to listen to them about your health if they themselves are so unhealthy. You know, there's a lot of people that have a lot of thoughts, but they're not putting them into practice. You know, we all know most of us could stand to lose a few pounds, but I'm not going to take advice from a person that weighs 400 pounds. You're not showing me that you're practicing best practices here. It's not working. Parenting, I'm going to tell you, you start having kids, you get all sorts of advice. It's everywhere. Everybody's going to have an armchair quarterback opinion on what you're doing with your kids and how you're raising them. It's very difficult. What's more offensive is the fact that somebody has never had kids yet and they're telling you how to raise your kids because you're like, really? You don't even know yet. You think you got to figure it out? You don't know anything. You are so naive. Same thing happens in our faith. We have people inside and outside of our faith walk. Both. Some that are believers, some who really aren't believing themselves yet, that are going to throw you out some plays that you're really going to have to be wise about. You're going to have to dig through, you're going to have to fight through some of these people. What they're going to try to do, how they're going to try to talk to you, what kind of opinions they're going to give you. You're going to have to make plays for yourself a lot of times, and you're going to have to listen to a, a better quarterback a better quarterback that is actually people who follow best practices. God, what the Bible says, the playbook. You're going to have to listen to the Holy Spirit many times and not listen to those people around you. I think what's difficult a lot of times is if you start getting serious about your faith, you have people around you, your loved ones, the people that have been there for you your whole life and you feel that like they're on your side. But what happens a lot of times is these people start throwing out opinions that aren't necessarily in your best interests in your faith. A lot of times it's a little self-serving. It's because they want you to do something a lot of times. And you have to be wary because it's not really even their fault. They want you to be successful. But a lot of times they want you to be successful as long as it doesn't cost them anything. You know? I think we've all had that experience. If you really start to work and you start to really like get serious about your faith, man, you are going to go all out. You are going to run as hard as you can. You are going to make every play the best you can. A lot of times what happens is you'll have people in your life, people that really you thought cared about you and probably really do. A lot of times they're throwing penalties out, flags, all the time. They're causing you to stumble and fumble the ball because it was easier just to have you play the way you always played the game before. And it's not like they're really trying to be evil. And a lot of times I think what happens is these people don't even realize that they're causing you stumbles 
and fumbles. They just are living their lives. And they're trying to get you to live your life in the same way that you always lived, where it was a little bit more comfortable. So who are the quarterbacks in your life? Who is it that you are actually trusting to make those plays, call out those plays in your life? You know, just like in football, they're going to make all the differences whether or not you win or you lose in this game of faith. Whether or not you're a new believer or you're a more seasoned believer, you have to be wary at all times. You have to play the game defensively sometimes. You have to play the game offensively sometimes. Unfortunately, a lot of people walk around and they just kind of live offensively. (laughs) They just kind of throw out more offenses than they do anything. You know, I think unless you're really, really odd, weird, most people want to win. They don't want to lose, right? So if you start on this, this idea that you're going to get serious about your faith, you're going to win. You're going to, like, do everything you can to win at this game of faith. You're going to have to be careful about who it is that you listen to, who that you're paying attention to. Those people that you've always listened to in the past, how far did it get them? Have they followed best practices? Do they have wins? Do they have those things? But we need to understand that everybody is going to give us good advice. And if we need to win, we have to be smart about who it is that we listen to. 1 Corinthians 16, 13 says, Be on guard, stand firm in the faith, and be courageous and be strong. Now, a lot of people just starting out in their faith to be like, really, what do you mean? You, you mean you have to be on guard? What do you have to be on guard about? Is that just the enemies? I can tell you a lot of times it's going to be be on guard for those people that are even your loved ones. Even those people that care the most about you. You have to be on guard. You have to watch and stand up for yourself. You have to like say what's important to you, and you have to pick and choose what you're going to follow and what you're not. And I can tell you that it's a lot harder out in the world than it is on the football field. Obviously, the football field makes it pretty easy. Usually, the other team's wearing a different color blazer, right? They got something else on. But for us, the people all look the same around us. So we have to be really smart and notice what it is about them that's different. You know, if you're starting on your faith, or maybe you know, you're really just getting more determined, maybe you've been a believer for a long time, and you're just going to be more determined, you're going to start really following this faith like never before more vigor, more fight. I think a lot of times you have those loved ones out there that just don't really understand because they've kind of seen you do it kind of half-heartedly, or maybe not at all. So they're like, you know, I, I don't know. I don't know if I want you to win at this game of faith because you're changing it all up. All of a sudden, the game that we used to play, the way we played it, we're no longer playing it the same way anymore. I had that experience. I was 28 years old when I came to start to believe in Christ. And the person I was before became a lot different, or was a lot different than the person I became. My husband told me at the very beginning, when I started to get serious about my faith, he said to me, Deb Savage is a lot different than Deb Graper. So I was a little bit like frustrated with me, the fact that I was changing up the rules all of a sudden in the game. All of a sudden I was doing things differently. You know, there were those new rules. There were things I wasn't going to do, things I was going to do and not going to do anymore. And that was hard for him to take. Did I love him? Did I want to follow him? Yes. But I also knew that I really felt like I needed to come closer to God, and it was a fight. All of a sudden, you're playing the game like you've always played, and all of a sudden there's new team players substituted in. You know, all the people that maybe you used to hang around with, maybe you and your spouse or your friends, 
and all of a sudden there's new people that are substituted in, people that aren't quite as much fun as the old teammates. That's hard for some people to take. There's different strategies. You know, maybe you used to be one that would stay up all, all hours of the night, and all of a sudden now you're like, oh, I've got to go to bed, it's like 10, I've got to get up for church tomorrow. And they're like, really? You're going to leave? You're not going to stay up? You're going to go to church tonight? Today? This is what you're going to do? And it's hard for them to understand. One of the most difficult things I had was I started to read the playbook, the Bible. My husband had a really hard time with that at the beginning. He's like, who are you and who are you trying to be? You know, what happens a lot of times in our faith is we, we have these people around us that love us so much. We start reading the Bible, and before long, what they think is, you think you're better than me. Look at you getting all holy and thinking you're so great because you're reading God's word, you know? There's so much that you have to do to play against those things in your life. See, it, it really is true what God says. He says, be on guard. This is going to take some real fight and work. It's not going to just come easy to you. And I think that's what happens a lot of times with people when they start out on this walk of faith. They don't really grasp the context of what's going to happen. They kind of go into this, this game thinking it's going to be easy, and it's so not easy. It's going to be a fight. Because it's not just on the outside forces, it's not just the enemies all the time, but it's actually your loved ones sometimes that are going to cause you some of the biggest fumbles in your faith. To them, they love you, but it's unnerving. It was great and easy when you used to sit on the sidelines on the bench with them and you used to kind of make fun of those people that were giving it their all. But all of a sudden, they're out there and they're like, oh, look at you. You're out there playing with everything you got now. It's really hard for them to understand. They don't understand you. They don't get why you're playing so hard. And you don't understand why they won't even try. Won't you even try to pick up the ball? Won't you even try to work a little bit and get in shape? Won't you try? Like I said, it's at that time that you have to be mindful. You have to really, really think about who it is that you're going to listen to at that time. Are you going to listen to someone that's sitting on the sidelines or are you going to listen to someone who's got some skin in the game? If you start walking on your faith and you recognize and grasp what it is that Christ has done for you, you recognize that you can't afford to sit on the sidelines no more. You get that he gave it all. So we have to give some. We have to get moving. We definitely have to maneuver those people that maybe are in our, our lives, those loved ones and stuff. But the hardest part that I had was really to understand and see who it was that were inside the church that were actually armchair quarterbacks. Those ones that would cause me to stumble and fall a bit inside. That I thought we're all just brothers and sisters in Christ and we're all on the same team and we all want to win, right? And you start to realize as you start to follow along in your faith, you're like, uh, not everybody's playing with as much passion as others. Not everyone really has any skin in the game. Maybe for an hour or so. But then the rest of the week, not so much. Or maybe they're just really sitting on the sidelines because they've got other problems that they're dealing with. Well, inside the church, we definitely have to outmaneuver some of them. Um, a lot of times what happens is you get these people 
that if you get too close to in the church, a lot of times if you get their ear and you listen a little too much what they have to say, they can cause you yourself to drop out of the game. And a lot of times you're like, I don't get why you would want me to fail. But they exist and they're real. There are a lot of times there are those prideful people that who've maybe followed after God for many, many years. Those people who've basically done the same plays over and over again. They throw out those same plays, they do everything the same way. A lot of times what happens is they don't understand why it is that you maybe are going to read a different translation. Maybe you're not going to read New King James or King James. Maybe you're going to read the message. <gasps> oh my gosh. Pridefulness. It's like, oh, no, 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 no. That's not what you should be reading. They're going to tell you what it is you should be doing, what you shouldn't be doing. They're going to tell you what it is that you need to know all the time. The sad thing is you can pick up pride very easy. It's one of those things that, honestly, you can pick up by osmosis. Just by being around them, you can become more prideful. You have to really watch yourself that you don't become prideful in your faith and decide just because you've done it a certain way and maybe it worked or didn't work for you, that it's not the way it's going to work for every other person. You have to let people be people. You know, it's amazing because we're so worried about making people into us a lot of times. The same people that we are. And a lot of times if we look a little closer, we realize that we ain't so great. We ain't all that. Sometimes we don't want to really recreate what we are. We should be more careful with that. But a lot of people get so caught up in pride thinking they know how to do everything, how you should do everything. What you should do, what you shouldn't do, what you should read, what you shouldn't read, what you should watch, what you shouldn't watch. And that's truth in some things. There's some things I needed to learn when I first started with my faith. But I can tell you, I wanted to listen to somebody who was for real, a real quarterback, not someone who was an armchair quarterback. And you could see that they really weren't doing much with their faith either. But the Bible tells us to watch and really be careful of pride. And a lot of people think they have it all figured out and they think they can just keep sitting out there and it's not going to make a difference. But the Bible says, 1 Corinthians 10, 12, it says, if you think you're standing strong, be careful not to fall. I'm going to tell you, if you start to think that you have this whole faith figured out, it's right then that I'm going to tell you you're going to have something come knock your legs out from underneath of you. I remember having that moment. I remember having that moment. I was seven years into it. And I remember clear as a bell, I was painting in our youth group at the old church. And I remember just painting and thinking about, like, you know what? I get this. I'm starting to get this whole faith thing. It's kind of making sense to me. The Bible's making sense. You know, I can start to get this panoramic view after reading it numerous times, and I'm getting it, you know? And it's like I just heard this voice saying, be careful. Because right when you think you got it all figured out, things can start to fall apart. And they did. Things can fall apart really easy. We're way, way too much of a flawed beings to think that we have it figured out. I mean, look at some of the greatest men of God that thought they had everything together and they failed. But some of these, these people in the church that become prideful, they love to point out what you're doing wrong instead of really allowing the Holy Spirit to do its work. You know, God was so good, because when Jesus left, he says, I'm leaving for you a counselor. 
You have the Holy Spirit that lives inside of us. What's awesome about that is that if you are a believer and you watch somebody new coming in, you watch these people around you, instead of throwing out all these opinions sometimes, if you would be more concerned, instead of talking to them about what it is that you feel they're doing right and wrong, if you would pray that the Holy Spirit would prepare them. The Holy Spirit's good. You know, sometimes maybe he's going to want you. The Holy Spirit's going to want you to talk to that person. But if you pray for the timing, you're going to find it's going to go a whole lot better than what you thought would have if you would have done it on your own. I've had those experiences where I had to mention something real, really important to a pastor at this other church, and it was one of those things where it was like, God, you are good, and I know you're going to let me say this if you want me to say it. If you don't want me to say it, don't let me say it. And everything that could have possibly stopped me from saying this thing, I said, if you want me to say it, let them be there on a Saturday morning. They were never there on a Saturday morning. Not them just only come to church, but Lord, let them come in and ask me how my day is going. They walked in and said, hey, Deb, how's your day going? Well, at that point, you're like, okay, now I have to bite the bullet. I have to just go out and say what I need to say. You know, I think a lot of times we just don't wait a lot of times we have people who are armchair quarterbacks that love to jump in and rush the play a little too much. They don't give you an opportunity to maybe learn, to feel what God wants. You know, if we would pray that the Holy Spirit would prepare people and pray the Holy Spirit would give us the words to share, it's so much more of a, a, a balm that goes on everything and, and makes things better. And people will receive what you have to say if you have something real to say. And also sometimes just the Holy Spirit, by just praying, those people will give up a lot of their things that they were doing wrong on their own. They don't need you to point out. Most people know when they're doing something wrong anyway. That's the problem. It's like for some reason we love to tell people what is already wrong with them, which they know. You know, I don't need any person to tell me I'm overweight. I know I'm overweight. You don't need to walk up to them and say, hey, Deb, you're overweight. Really? I didn't know that. Here I thought I was wearing a size two all the time, you know. Come on. People know when they're failing. People know when they're screwing up. Sometimes we just have to just be more willing to let the Holy Spirit work on them. If you care about them so much that you feel you need to talk to them, care about enough to pray for them. That's what you need to do. You know, I think a lot of times people are new. They're new believers, and we want them to just get ahead and jump ahead real quick. We can understand that some of these people coming in, or they're still in the peewee team. They're still playing in the peewee leagues. They're not in the Super Bowl. Don't expect so much from them. Don't expect them to be so far along. We have to give a little grace. You know, the thing is, we all want grace, but no one wants to give grace. It's what we need to do. Well, I think some of these armchair quarterbacks, too, like I said, they haven't even played in a game or won a game because a lot of times they've never really gotten serious about training themselves. There's a whole lot of people sitting in churches all throughout this world that have never really even tried to train themselves. They're not reading the playbook. They're not doing those things that really they should and shouldn't be doing because there are some things that we should and shouldn't be doing. You have to be careful with those people because those are the people a lot of times will tell you that you can do anything and it doesn't matter. And maybe for them something's not a struggle, but for you it may be. It may be something that's actually going to cause you to stumble. 1 Corinthians 10.23 says, You say, I am allowed to do anything, but not everything is good for you. 
you say I'm allowed to do anything, but not everything is beneficial. Not everything is going to be okay for everybody. There's a lot of people really that really kind of take freedom a little too far. There is freedom in Christ, no doubt about it. But God says within boundaries sometimes that we need to do some things. You know, nothing in abundance a lot of times. You know, there's things that we do that we just do too much of or maybe drink too much of or, you know, take part in too much of. There's some things that aren't so good. If you get hooked up with an armchair quarterback that tells you that won't hurt you, that won't matter, I'm going to tell you it may matter to you. It may matter to you. Maybe something that you or they might not struggle with, but you may really struggle with. And you have to watch. You know, God's word tells us to be careful to watch out for those people. To actually be careful because a lot of times what we say as freedoms could cause that person to be in bondage. We have to watch. There's some of these armchair quarterbacks too. They're living a critical life. They are so critical of everything. They're critical about the field. They're critical about the cheerleaders. They're critical about the refreshments. They're critical about the coach. They're critical about everything. The other players. They're watching everything and they're critical. They notice everything that someone did wrong. I tell you, if you're watching for everything that's wrong, you're missing what what God has good for you. You're missing it. It's like you've got to understand that not everything is going to go perfectly in a church. There's going to be some things that you're not going to like. You're not going to like every song that's going to be sung. You're not going to like every word that's spoken out of your pastor's mouth. You're not going to like everything that a person does that's serving next to you. Sometimes they're going to say something that you really don't like. I'm going to tell you, if you start looking at everything with a critical eye, you're in a dangerous spot. But there's a lot of people like those armchair quarterbacks that that's where they sit. Just to be critical. Just to notice what everything's doing that's going wrong. A lot of times they're always sitting there going, well, if I was them, I wouldn't do it that way. If I wasn't her, I wouldn't do it that way. A lot of times, like I said, they wouldn't be even doing it. And truth is, if you were me, you would be doing it my way because you'd be me. So it doesn't even make sense. So the thing is, if you're not careful, though, man, you are going to start to pick up this critical spirit. It's biblical. It talks about in the Bible that you can become so critical, so judgmental, so watching for everybody's flaws and things. I tell you, those people, a lot of times, it's hard to notice them because they're sitting amongst you and they look like they're in the game, but man, they're actually in a perpetual time of timeout. They're in a timeout. They're not really in the game. And a lot of times, if you're not careful, you're going to get alongside them and they're going to also tell you, take a timeout. You should take a timeout from serving. You should take a timeout from doing what you're doing. But I'll tell you, if you look at any sports at all, A timeout is mere minutes. It's not weeks, months, or years that they're going to try to get you to be taking times out like. Some of those people, a lot of times in the church, they're sitting there, they're still nursing injuries they got about 25 years back. They got hurt in the church. I can tell you, if you followed God at all, you've been hurt in the church. It's going to happen. 
It's just a matter of time. And if you've literally been a believer or follower for any length of time and you haven't been hurt, you are amazing. Because there's no way possible that you could be in a group of this many messed up people and not be hurt. It's going to happen. Look at the field in a football, football game. They're all stumbling over each other. People constantly falling down. Everyone's got an injury. They're all nursing. They're on the ground having to be carried off the field half the time. That's what it is in faith. This idea that it's gonna, you're going to get in here and it's going to be all niceties and perfect, it's not real. The sooner you figure that out, the better. When you start to realize that people are there actually to cause you to stumble, even inside the church, you're going to get wise to it. You're going to be watching for it. You're going to be preparing yourself for it. But I'll tell you, these people, they want you to be injured. You know why? Because misery loves company. They want you to be hurt. They want like, oh, yeah, you were hurt. Come here. Come sit by me. Tell me all about it. Tell me all about it. I'll tell you about mine. This is how I got hurt. You know why? Misery loves company. Same reason why we have an enemy out there that's trying to get as many of you as you can. Because misery loves company. He knows he's going to hell. Just how many of you are taken with him? That's the problem. We have to understand that. We have to understand that this is a battle, man. This is real. If we're going to win, we've got to shake it off. We've got to shake off all those things. Keep pushing them back. Keep going. Like any game that you're going to work hard at, I'm going to tell you, we're going to get hurt. We're going to have to be mindful of who we're playing with. That's what it's all about. 1 Corinthians 9, 24-27 says, Do you not know that in a race all the runners run, but only one gets the prize? Run in such a way as to get the prize. Everyone who competes in the games goes into strict training. They do it to get a crown that will not last, but we do it to get a crown that will last forever. Therefore, I do not run like someone running aimlessly. I do not fight like a boxer beating the air. No, I strike a blow to my body and make it my slave so that after I have preached to others, I myself will not be disqualified for the prize. It's going to take some work. The Bible makes it clear. We are going to have to work hard. We can't just I'll be out there just doing it half-heartedly. It's going to take a lot of effort. It's going to take real training. It's going to take real work. It's going to have to have you maybe taking some things in your life that you're going to keep doing and some things you're not going to do. You're going to have to stand up for your team. You're going to have to look at your teammate and think, I want them to win just as much as I want to win. And actually care about them. Help them to nurse their wounds, but help them to get back on the field. Not stay there sitting on the sidelines. Like I said, those inside and outside the church, those armchair quarterbacks, they have nothing to lose because they're not in the game. They're not risking getting sacked. They're not out there going to have to give account for all the things that they've done to win or lose the game. We do. We have to give an account. God's Word tells us we have to stand before God and we have to give an account for our life. Once we become a follower of God, we have to stand before him someday and give an account. We have to say, did we win? Did we lose? How many people did we help to win? How many did we cause them to lose? To fight the fight of faith is amazing. To have this opportunity, to have this opportunity to sit here today and to learn more about your faith and to know how life can be so different, it's like the most amazing thing in the world. 
The fact that you have been given a second chance, and our job now is to go out and share this with others, to give them the opportunity to have a second, third, fourth chance to offer grace. It's a battle. But we're in it. A lot of those people aren't even in it. There's a quote that's by Theodore Roosevelt. It says, It is not the critic who counts, not the man who points out how the strong man stumbles or where the doer of deeds could have done them better. The credit belongs to the man who is actually in the arena, whose face is marred by dust and sweat and blood, who strives valiantly, who errs, who comes short again and again, because there is no effort without error and shortcoming, but who does actually strive to do the deeds, who knows great enthusiasms, the great devotions, who spends himself in a worthy cause, who at the best knows, in the end, the triumph of high achievement, and who at the worst, if he fails, at least fails while doing greatly, so that his place shall never be with those cold and timid souls who neither know victory nor defeat. There is no greater cause in the world no greater cause than to save your soul and the souls of others. That's the most valiant thing that you could be fighting for. So let me ask you, who are you listening to to call your place? Who are those people that you're paying attention to? Are you watching those people? Are you listening to the ones who have touchdowns and have those wins under their belts? Are you listening to people who are cheering others on or those ones that are always grumbling in the sidelines? Ones that you see winning winning over and over again. Those are the quarterbacks that you need to follow. And those are the quarterbacks that you need to be. It's easy to fall victim. It's easy to get hurt. Don't become an armchair quarterback that actually just has no skin in the game but's always given advice on how to do it. Let me pray for you. Well, Lord... I do pray, Father, for each person that's here, Lord, who's really decided they are going to pick up and they are going to follow after you and they're going to work on that faith, their faith, Lord. They're going to do it with fear and trembling and it's going to take hard work and they have to guard themselves. I pray that you would help each person, Lord, to be wise, to let your Holy Spirit direct and guide them, to help us, Lord God, to maybe leave some things behind and know some things that we have to go towards. I pray that you would help us, Lord God, to seek out those people who are real, true quarterbacks in our faith. Help us to be protected and guarded from those who are just armchair quarterbacks who have no skin in the game that would actually, whether or not they know it or not, would want us to fail. I pray that you be with each person this week. Lord, help them to not fumble. Help them, Lord, to um, run hard to win. We thank you for everything in Jesus' name. Amen.